keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Out full of suffering, suck attached, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And your teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killings. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. All right. Well, welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roasts. I am your host, the king of sad style, Dan St. Germain. We are fucking knee-deep into WrestleMania season. I'm here with Robert Karpulis, Scott Chaplin, Mike Lawrence, Zach Attack, and our guest today he is a stand-up comedian from Scotland which makes him perfect for the Drew McIntyre roast. He's also a writer for PW Torch. Ross Leslie, everybody. Ross, thank you for joining us, sir. No problem. Hi, guys. How's it going? Good. Good. Great, great. It's a pleasure to be here. We're we're talking about someone this WrestleMania season who should never be a part of WrestleMania season, Drew McIntyre. Oh, come on. Michael! What is this? What is wrong with you? Wow. Right uh, to my face. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Four out of five of these hosts like Drew McIntyre. Um, maybe five yeah, out of six. Ross does do. Probably like two things. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just Mike. Um, but we will be we will be ripping Drew. I'm, I'm a big three-man band fan. I didn't, I didn't just like All right. All right. Well, some roasts coming up. Well, next week we have our WrestleMania preview episode. We're going to be doing all our predictions for WrestleMania. Week after that, the roast of Roman Reigns, roasting Becky Lynch on, Lynch on April 22nd. If you're a member of the $5 Patreon, we are doing World's Weirdest Fighting Styles, which I will tweet out later tonight. I totally forgot to do that. So you guys can go on our Twitter by the time you get this episode, and I will have tweeted the uh, stuff that you guys can watch for our Patreon. It's it's some of my favorite stuff that I've watched, maybe just because I've watched way too many wrestling, way too much wrestling. Um, then we've got uh, a WrestleMania 3 watch-along on Patreon, then our roast of Brock Lesnar, our live show. Man, these tickets are going fast, folks. I say going fast, but it's Zoom, so literally we could have as many. <laughs> but they're going fast. We can only have so many Zoomers in. Um, it's going to be it's gonna be a hell of a show, guys. I'm just going to give you some... We are having a roast. It's a mystery roast. Only uh, only the people who buy tickets will find out who it is. Uh, we will also be, each one of us will be taking someone out of the Hall of Fame. Robert will be telling a story from his time in WWE that is too crazy for the regular podcast. Russo Mania will be pitching WrestleMania as Vince Russo. Um, Scott will be doing some uh, AEW love. Mike Lawrence will be doing some action figure love. Uh, I will be giving my my uh my argument on why i should be in the hall of fame and of course we're going to be talking about qg marshall so uh voting on the hall of fame Meltzer hall of fame not in the hall of fame and 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 i will be reviewing an action figure i will not be fucking an action figure no you got to join the ten dollar for that one yeah. How will the review be complete if you don't know what it feels like in your asshole, Mike? <laughs> Mike, I want you to be honest. You're in a safe space. Have you ever 
<laughs> during foreplay had a fi- had an action figure shoved up your ass? No. Have you shoved an action figure up someone else's ass? No, I no, I haven't. Um, but when I get my Adam Cole action figure, I will because it's all about the lube. <laughs> <laughs> That's the uh, small enough you're to get though. to. Mike complimenting Adam Cole, everybody. <laughs> In well, plastic we're, form. We're gonna start out, guys, with the bright side of Drew McIntyre. I, I really like Drew, but I, I want to start with Ross. Ross, what do you like about the Scottish psychopath? Yeah, well, we've bright never side of Drew had... McIntyre, folks. Sorry, I needed to announce that. Ross, I'm sorry <laughs> I trampled on your wine. Keep going. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, yeah, well, we've never had uh, a proper Scottish wrestler before. So this is like, he's obviously well-loved in Scotland. We obviously had Roddy Piper. He was in Scotland once or something. I don't know what his connection is. But uh, I, the, the best thing about Drew is his reinvention when he came back. It was so bland and so dull in the 3MB and everything before that. But the way he went away and like reworked his whole character whole persona and came back a completely different man he looked like a man when he came back which i thought he went away a boy and came back a man but uh, yeah no, man it was simba it was it was simba returning to pride rock you know and yeah, then yeah, but, good point. yeah but then scar is just like no but i'm gonna stay here too and then like we'll kind of coexist and i'll like <laughs> fuck up things for you and he's like all right <laughs> By yeah, the way, yeah. somebody's saying uh, he was a boy and now he's a man in a Scottish accent is the most manly thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love they they take that. his title, but they'll never take his freedom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's he means freedom to do a, uh, like a, like a, like a, a TikTok. What, what are those shows they can't do? I flunked the joke because I can't even think of the thing. Oh, a Twitch. Twitch. Oh, yes. Twitch. Boom. Zach, edit it so the joke sounds like I said it. Boom. <laughs> we don't pay Zach enough to do that. Not yeah, the freedom to do a, yeah, one of those. Unlike AEW, where Sammy and Ty, Ty Conte's relationship is just an OnlyFans page. you goddamn right. Yeah, they That's definitely fuck. Well, we will get yeah. into Dynamite or Dud later on. Um, but Ross, uh, so yeah, it's the first time. Is he really, is he beloved in Scotland? Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, it's an interesting thing because he is, we've got two big Scottish football teams, uh, Rangers and Celtic, and it's quite a cultural and political divide between them. So he's a Rangers guy. So I'd imagine there's some Celtic guys don't like him for that reason, but our country's fucked up that way. It's all Protestant. <laughs> for, yes, your country's fucked like up that. for liking soccer. Yeah, yeah, that, that as well, that as well. Uh, but no, he's definitely beloved, especially... Uh, during Mania season, which we'll get into that that video did prior to WrestleMania, which was amazing. Uh, but well, no, he's definitely beloved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not quite uh, sort of dewdrop levels of love, but yeah, no. definitely no. loved. <laughs> no, Do they no, love dewdrop? No. <laughs> we, we don't get the humor. I don't know what the humor is with Dewdrop's name, but it's not a. I, a I think it, Piper Niven is a great fucking name. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. And she's cool. Yeah, but it's just madness. But uh, no, Drew's, Drew's great here. Uh, great. Uh, I just love everything he does because uh, everything he does looks like it hurts, which I like the sort of realistic side of things. He looks like he's actually hitting you pretty hard uh, and everything he does looks convincing. That's, that's the reason I like him mainly. Claymore's a great finisher as well. Yeah, I, I think Drew, Drew's in-ring work is, is, is pretty great, man. It's not like the style of today, but I think it's pretty fantastic. But before oh, I go yeah. my love for Mr. Drew McIntyre, Robert, you're friends with Mr. Drew McIntyre. 
you're rubbing your head. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm rubbing my head in, in full disclosure. I've spent the last 13 hours traveling on planes. I literally got in from the airport about 15 minutes ago. I'm on no sleep. I'm drinking coffee out of my It's Dope coffee mug, but I'm not going to miss the episode for Drew McIntyre. That is called. Now you dedication. landed in. Where are you? You're in Saudi Arabia now, right? You're I am in Saudi Arabia. The they, they, Thank they, you for that, by the way. Yes, they they like what I'm doing. They they feel that I'm the sort of positive energy that region needs. I just have to hide the whole Jew thing. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. Part of your face looks like you have no color, and then parts look like you have too much color. So I think you're getting sick. I'm um, uh, Roddy Piper when he was feuding with Bad News Brown. But, but, but Robert, <laughs> once once you lose. Uh, what's left of your hair and become 55 they'll love you again as a jew in saudi arabia for some reason uh, that is true <clears throat> uh, i, I, I can i can be robert's next... bald spot it changes every week it's like uh, the mole in austin powers <laughs> Keep going, Robert, today it's like very tired crusty the clown yeah yeah because it moves around <laughs> it's like an emotional bald spot Yes. Yeah, uh, mood ring. You know, you know exactly how he's feeling. Yeah. <laughs> Bright side of Drew McIntyre. Uh, <laughs> trying to keep it on the tracks here, guys. Uh, no, I think I think Drew's fantastic. I think uh, obviously his his early run was a little bit of too much too soon, and they uh, they kind of pulled the plug on it, and they gave them that three man band shtick, which was meant to be death. And those guys made the most out of it. And they were having fun at a point in time when not a lot of what was going on in the WWE was particularly fun. Uh, he did the one thing that they always tell you to do, which is when it's time for you to leave, you go and learn a new hold. And and he left the WWE and uh, he got infinitely better. And it, and it was Mick Foley who said to, to bring him back in, but he got in tremendous shape. His in-ring work improved. And when he returned to WWE, and, and we restarted NXT, but he came back and he felt like a main eventer. He felt like what they were promising all those years earlier when they said he was the chosen one and, and he fulfilled it. And he was, he was a good heel. Um, and then when they made that baby face turn, that rumble, it was, was my match of the year that year. And it was so much fun to see drew assume that role as a baby face because it was so natural to him. And it was like, of course, this is the role he should be playing because at, at, when it, when that first happened, there was an authenticity to it. There was this, he didn't feel like he was playing a character. He felt like I'm the guy who's going to go out there and kick someone's ass and you can support me. And it felt like uh, a late eighties, early nineties kind of, of WWF wrestler, but the audience was super into it. When he eliminated Brock, they were over the moon happy for it. And I think if it wasn't for COVID, he would have been the top tier megastar that they thought he was going to be because he was able to connect with the crowd. Vince kind of started putting words in his mouth and, and had him telling, you know, the history of Scotland, which no offense, Ross, no one gives a fuck about the history of Scotland. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's literally like it's it's Braveheart. And so I married an axe murderer and that's it. Um but then they gave him the sword and he just he, he makes the most of whatever he's given. And there's a little bit of like a wink and a nod to the camera whenever he's doing stuff, especially when it's kind of ridiculous of like, I know this isn't great, but I'm going to make the most of it. And I want you to have fun and enjoy it. And sometimes it's it's infectious that he gets the, the, some of the stuff with Madcap Moss and Happy Corbin that shouldn't really work works because Drew is like by sheer force of will. He's like, I'm going to make you like this. And I think that's something that 
not a lot of people in wrestling have, which is the organic desire to make something work rather than give me my script. I'm going to read my lines and we're going to move on. Scott, what are your feelings about Drew McIntyre? I think you like him, but I'm not, I'm not positive. Yeah. Okay. So if we start at from when I first saw him, I remember the whole chosen one thing, you know, Vince apparently saying that, and I believed it. He looked really good and I was excited for him to be great. And then he disappeared. And then I remember seeing him fight on like indie shows around the time I started watching new Japan and stuff. And he was, a, he was a beast and he had hair all over his chest and he was phenomenal. I, I think I remember watching a Cody match with him. That was really, really good. And then the WWE hired him and it was like, Oh shit, they're going to do something with this guy. And they did, they did, they really did do. I mean, he is one of their biggest stars, no doubt. And they did give him the title during the pandemic. Uh, I don't think any of it's worked out, but I don't think anything for anyone there has worked out. Like, anybody's thought it had it, it was going to you know like uh they push a bunch of guys then they hit reset back to the same two guys they've been pushing for eight years you know uh well i, so I would say i would say everyone at the table is having a tough time but the guy at the head of it's doing okay <laughs> <laughs> it just, uh but man I, I, dude uh claymore kick i think that finisher looks better than all of my favorite finishers probably I don't know a finisher that looks better. It, it, it looks insane. It looks fantastic. When he did it to Brock, it was, it was, oh my God, a star is born. Uh, 3MB was fun. I think but, just to pop yeah, on the Claymore yeah. thing, Scott, just uh, real quick. One of the things that sort of weirdly detracts from Drew is how tall he is. Because he's so big, like he is a sympathetic baby face. And I, he's one of the few wrestlers where you're like, if he was a few inches shorter and he could perfect that claymore and you could take out giants with it, he would be easily like your, your top unbeatable uh, come from underneath baby face. And I think that his height kind of almost like what we talked about with Scott Hall last week, his height kind of works against him a little bit uh, sometimes in terms of portraying him as a baby face. Scott, back to your uh, comment on the claymore. I, I, um, you know, it's great. I love the Claymore, and it, it's one of those moves that looks vicious, but you're sure doesn't hurt anybody. You know, it's like uh, it, it's almost like the stomp or something where you're like, it's like the perfect wrestling move because it's it's safe and it looks great. Yeah. yeah. Matches with him and Sheamus, you know, they're always going to bring it. I appreciate stuff like that. Yeah. I'm going to go through yeah. my notes before uh, we, we turn it over to Mr. Lawrence. Yeah, I thought he had great matches with Sheamus uh, on Raw, especially if you're like me and Robert and, you, you know, you were watching Raw every week. like, And surprisingly so, because, you know, when you announce Drew and Sheamus, you're like, all right, we'll see what happens. And then you're like, oh, my God, this is like a fucking Ishii match. This is incredible. Uh, he, had, he was part of The Undertaker's last good in-ring match where it was him and Shane McMahon versus taker and roman and he if you go back to that match he did do most of the work for it um i, I think the royal rumble he won is my favorite royal rumble i like it better than the flair one which you know a lot of people don't but I, I thought it was brilliantly booked i thought he came across as a star um i thought he put over he's the only guy who truly put biggie over at crown jewel <laughs> in a good match nobody else did uh and uh what a little kind of forgotten but he really had some great matches with Dolph against Seth and Dean Ambrose for that one period before they turned Ambrose heel. And then that was just a fucking disaster. But yeah. um, 
Yeah, awesome finisher, great body, good theme music. The build to Ma- to Mania thirty six. I mean, the uh, the match kind of was like a you know fart in church because it was the performance center. But like you know, like we'll get into it. The hype video, the you know the him him going after just being that guy that like because the whole the whole story with Seth and 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 Brock was Seth is um you know the underdog the whole time. And with 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 Drew, he was just kicking his fucking face off, and and also credit to Brock for doing that. I do think he's really underrated in the ring. He seems like a good dude every time he's interviewed, you know. But you know, for wrestling, that that doesn't mean like you know, like he doesn't have three dead exotic animals in his trunk. But he does seem like a, a genuinely good guy. Uh, I thought his match against Roman at Survivor Series was awesome. Some some kayfabe. Uh, accomplishments evolved champion cbs sports wrestler of the year ranked number one and inside the ropes wrestling of 2020 pro wrestling illustrated most improved wrestler of the year impact world champion two-time wwe champion ic champion two-time raw tag team champion nxt champion and the royal rumble winner he also was able to get a, a, a best match i've seen in wwe besides in the lashley saudi one wasn't bad but he got actually a decent match out of goldberg um and he uh got a great match out of roman at survivor series i think drew's story is when drew's done we're gonna look on at him and we're gonna be like he's gonna look a lot better later on i think that he got his ass i think him getting put in the pandemic was very hard it was very hard for everybody and i think we're gonna look at his run and be like you know he did a good job um and and everyone's like, well, Roman did a better job. Well, Roman was a heel, so it's easier to be a heel in it, an area without fans. It's that's just, so it's, funny. It's, I don't think you understand the scarring that the pandemic has done to people. Uh, we're going to be wiping out a lot as time goes on, and I, I'm pretty sure wrestling title reigns are going to be like the first thing to go. <laughs> we're not going to remember shit. <laughs> Well, Dude, I, mean, I, I don't remember. The last two WrestleManias, are. I thought it was all the same WrestleMania. Like, I'm, I was trying to figure it out. I'm like, how is that? I thought it was like four nights of WrestleMania was the last two years of WrestleMania because it's all been the set. Wasn't it even both pirates? Yeah. Well, they already built the graphics. They already built the set and they're really fucking cheap. So they just reuse the graphics in the set. Um, awesome. And, and this year's that, that year's WrestleMania didn't do drew any favors where they built him up to, to face Lashley. And then he loses by a distraction that the camera didn't get. So he just looked, like an idiot, which really and again, again, in Drew's defense, and I do remember this, um, he wins in he wins in the Thunderdome, the title, right? And then remember what actually happens is the next night on Raw, it's like they air what happened immediately after, uh-huh. which was the big show came out. Yeah. To confront him. So it's like the moment Drew McIntyre wins the title at WrestleMania, the big show came out and confronted him. And look at the big show now. Brutal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really, I, I do think you got the short end of the, the stick a lot, and I, and I think that like sword, Drew, uh, uh, Dan, short end <laughs> no, of the sword. I, oh, short end of the sword. Sorry, I thought you said sure, like like sure, but I, you know, I, I I thought he was, you know, I, I think Drew is uh, is ultimately a really good wrestler, and I, I do think he's underrated, Mike. What bright side of Drew McIntyre before we get to the rest. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I definitely think that he's done his job, like, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, leaving and coming back and improving and doing all that work. 
I think um, where he really got screwed, and, and and I don't think it's his fault. I don't. I don't even think it's just the pandemic. I think it's lazy Lesnar. I don't think Lesnar losing in un, like in five minutes puts anybody over. It just makes wrestling seem scripted because it's like you feel like like Lesnar is a mercenary and he'll do whatever he's asked to do. And, 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 and there's truth to that. But also when there's like a Daniel Bryan in there or an AJ Styles, he goes like 15 minutes. You know, he he mixes it up a bit. And the Drew um, Lesnar finisher trade of a five minute match just did not help him and, and, and did not fulfill. But I agree with you. I think that that 2020 rumble is better than the 92 rumble. I think it's a fantastic, I think it is the best rumble ever. Um, Same. You know, I agree. But I think that we're always gonna remember the, uh, the 92 one more because the promise was fulfilled. You know, they were both about building uh, a talent and unfortunately because it just didn't it, it didn't work out you know but i don't i don't yeah i don't fully drew's fault i think that the guy yeah the, the claymore kick is awesome the video that we're gonna the scottish video is it's one of the best things they've ever produced um i think that he could i think he's a really talented guy and i think wwe booking is always going to hold him back because WWE has decided that if you aren't Lesnar or Reigns, you just don't matter. And guys can go other places and make themselves matter. I think he could be a star in any company except Impact because they don't have stars. But um, I think, <laughs> you know, in AEW, in New Japan. They got um, Jay any- White over at Impact. What's that? They got Jay White over at Impact. Yeah, remember him, Mike, he's the ninth most important person to go through the forbidden door. Remember, remember when we all said Jay White's going to really do something in AEW, and we're still waiting. But anyways, the oh, different. We, didn't, we didn't say that, huh? We didn't say that. Yeah, you were like, it's going to lead to something great. We he did. He, oh, re- yeah, he wrestled road, picture. I mean, yeah, he's going to interfere at some point. Yeah, I think we happen. said that. I do think we said that. Uh, he well, that wrestled picture happen. in picture once. It's fun. But we yeah, also yeah, said great. it was going to be a while. We said well, down the road. I, I think. I think with Drew, man, it's like. Yeah, guys, you know, he passes the test in terms of that guy looks like a wrestler and wrestles like a wrestler, uh, you know, which is which is better than Adam Cole. And um, I I find him entertaining. I just think that WWE booking is always going to hurt him. And, and, and I think that he might be listening to this. Go somewhere else again, man, because that is where you shine. They're never going to let you be what you deserve to be. I mean... And and that sucks because he doesn't come off like a star because they don't know how to build stars. So I disagree well, with Roman. that. Oh, hold on. I, th- I would disagree with that, Mike, just because I think he got right now kind of held up because they, they have this panic for WrestleMania. you got to sell two nights in Dallas and you have to go with the biggest match humanly possible. Once they get into the summer, once it's Brock's not around anymore and, and Roman's not wrestling full time, I can very easily see them go back to Drew 
and not keep putting these restrictors on him. They did the same thing with Roman years ago where Roman was talking like a normal human being and then he was suffering succotash the next week because it was Vince just constantly overcorrecting. When Drew's left to his own devices, he does well with the audience. They just haven't put him in front of a live crowd in a main event situation. When they don't have Brock in June or July and they need somebody for Roman, I think they're going to give Drew another shot and I think they're going to pull back. Yeah, and a then lot the Rock this. shows up at Survivor Series and Brock yeah, comes I mean, back that's at the, the fucking Rumble. Yeah. Yeah, Come to your on. point, Robert, the, that's the problem is they do do that. You know, they give Kofi the title. They give, you know, Lashley the title or <laughs> Big E. The, I, not that there's any connection there. Or, you know, they give <laughs> you know, Drew the, they give all these guys the title. And then when the actual stars come back, they push them to the side. And it sucks because, well, I will say this. I, I mean, I know you hinted at the racial thing. If Lashley could talk, he would be up there with Roman and Brock, but he's just a bad promo because Vince looks at that body and is like, that's a fucking professional wrestler. Oh yeah. I mean, I just think all those guys, like they ultimately, even before the, the, the injuries for, for Lashley and Big E, which are, you know, very unfortunate, even before that though, it's like they were already telling us we are pushing these guys to the side. They are not at the top. And, and to me, Robert, if somebody gets to be the guy in June or in you know fucking uh, April or whatever or December, you know that the most dead time of the year. That means they're not a star. Well, so the reason I say that is because you know during my time that was when we got to experiment with Eddie as a main eventer, teasing Ray as a main eventer, and seeing how they respond. So that when you do get to the next mania, yeah. they do have the confidence for them. I think that they will give Drew another shot and see that yeah. he can connect with the audience, and then they'll be more willing to take the risk with him being a top guy because they will need to make new stars. Like Lashley, Lashley's in his mid-40s. So even if he, they do put everything together and his promo skills have gotten better, if they put that whole package together, you don't have a lot of time. Drew's only 36. So when you look at like the ages of guys when they're still delivering in their in their early to mid-40s, you still got plenty of time with, with Drew to, to let him do what he needs to do and let the audience kind of in, embrace it because they don't have a ton of guys who look like him and can work like him. So they're always going to find a way to, to make that work again when he's not, you know, fighting comedians. Well, folks, I think we uh, touted the virtues of Mr. McIntyre enough. Uh, Roastmaster Lawrence, please determine the devil's order. Oh, well, Ross, uh, our guests always get to decide when they go. When would you like to go, sir, in our lineup? Uh, second. Okay. First, we are going to yeah. have the biggest Drew fan, I think, on this show and on this planet, Dan St. Germain. Go for oh, it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, um, the roast of Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre, the guy who made Vince say, let's try Miz again. <laughs> sorry drew the only scottish psychopath on fox that's truly over is gordon ramsay he has a master's degree in criminology in hopes of one day finding the man who killed his push <laughs> his best friends in the business are jinder mahal and heath slater he's wrestling's hot girl with fat friends <laughs> he's he's hot right have you seen him without a shirt veer won't stop coming 
<laughs> He's a selfless performer selling for the Miz at Chamber, Brock at the Rumble, and his first wife at the Hilton. <laughs> yes. yes, he's one of the only wrestlers to have his wife arrested for beating him. Fuck the chosen one. His gimmick should have been Bizarro Snooka. <laughs> <laughs> he had great matches with Sheamus. Thanks, Drew. Now WWE won't fire Sheamus. <laughs> Did you see the Saudi show? Future Shock will be the name of the CTE study performed at Madcap's autopsy. For a while, his gimmick was telling tall tales. Some say far across the land, there's the son of a king who gives wrestlers creative control as long as you pretend to enjoy hanging out with him. (laughs) (laughs) His first run was doomed after being branded logical, I mean difficult, backstage. When he was 15, he contacted the FBI to get info on conspiracies, Usually, if you're an aspiring 15-year-old wrestler, the only thing you're sending the FBI are Velveteen Dreams DMs. <laughs> the internet. They're ruining Drew McIntyre. Big E, hold my beer. He won his first title, the BCW Heavyweight Championship at No Blood, No Sympathy, which is also how Tony Khan views his women's division. <laughs> I feel bad for Drew. Shitty creative. This is Vince. True, we did a rewrite, so you're less offended. Now the sword will be named Sharpie McStabberton. True. <laughs> <sighs> Let's just go back to me dead, mum. <laughs> finally, I liked you a lot. He's a good wrestler. It seems like a good guy who came back from a lot of bullshit that was completely out of his control. Drew, you're literally being made fun of by neckbeards who've had full dinners from gas stations when there were Whole Foods across the street. To quote Derry, Terry Balea, you're one of the good ones. <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, Ross, uh, yeah. let's, uh, let's do this, buddy. Let's do this, yeah. The roast of Drew McIntyre. So Drew McIntyre is a Scottish wrestler from Scotland, as he will tell you in every single promo and every single segment. When he comes, he shouts, Vroom! <laughs> Drew is an educated man and has a degree in criminology. So he had two career options when you think about it. Professional wrestler or investigating the sex crimes of a professional wrestler. (laughs) (laughs) He was the WWE champion twice in an era with no fans, but despite this still drew more than the Miz. (laughs) <laughs> a bit crossover there he first entered the WWE as a handsome clean cut 21 year old being billed as a chosen one by Vince McMahon due to him being a potential huge new star as opposed to being called the chosen one for a different reason by Pat Patterson <laughs> <laughs> he returned to WWE television in 2017 with a, a new look. He came back more jacked, a beard, hairy chest, a look inspired by Vince's latest dementia-inspired wet dream. <laughs> that was that was cool. Uh, on his initial push in 2020, he got the claymore over in a big way by utilizing a 3-2-1 countdown which was also the countdown paramedics gave Jerry Lawler before shouting clear. (laughs) (laughs) That's a bad one. Uh, He was in a faction known as 3MB with Heath Slater and Jinder Mahal. 3MB was short for three-man band, which was considered considered a regular Tuesday for the Cornette family. 
His uh, favourite wrestler, I don't know if you know this, grown up was Bret the Hitman Hart. He apparently told this to Bret Hart when he first met him, to which Bret Hart replied, bet you don't love Bret Hart as much as I do. These two suck, but we'll do them anyway. Uh, he won the tag team titles with Cody Rhodes when he had his dashing gimmick, a programme that had the audience dashing for the exits. I'm sorry. Uh, we've got that one out of the way. Uh, <laughs> His first match was to WWE diva Tiffany, and they split not long after a domestic disturbance at the Playboy Mansion, which is nothing compared to the domestic disturbance at the Benoit Mansion. <laughs> is it a mansion? I don't know. Here we go. He was the first ever insane championship wrestling champion here in Scotland. Not to be confused with the insane WWE champion, which was Jinder Mahal. <laughs> His finishing move is called the Claymore, named after a massive, devastating sword, which is also what Batista calls his giant dick. I'll <laughs> uh, have to get a Batista reference in. Uh, similar to one uh, Dan did. As a child, he was obsessed with conspiracy theories and unsolved crimes and wrote to the FBI and they sent him some files. This sparked his interest in wrestling after reading about some lady called Nancy Argentino. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his last feud before leaving in 2014 was when his 3MB were teaming with Hornswoggle against Los Matadores and El Torito, which still beats fighting Mad Cat most for blood money in Saudi Arabia, let's be honest. Uh, the faction he belonged to in Impact Wrestling or TNA, it was called The Rising, which was also the same name given to the WhatsApp group chat started by Mrs. Jericho in January last year. <laughs> I don't know her name. And uh, finally, his nickname is the Scottish Psychopath, but he is nothing compared to the best Scottish psychopath on television, who's Logan Roy. But they are similar as they're very much not as entertaining on the respective TV shows as a character called Roman. I've got for you. Yeah, thank you. Great job, Ross. Ross Leslie, everybody. Ross Leslie, thank you. All right, I'm gonna go. Uh, Today we are roasting Drew McIntyre because we didn't want our Scott Hall tribute show to be the saddest episode of the month. And apparently, Drew is actually listening to this roast because nothing we say is meaner than, hey, Drew, you're wrestling Happy Corbin at Mania. (laughs) (laughs) Just to be clear, his name is Drew. Never confuse him for a draw. Or draws, (laughs) which is how numb I feel when I watch his matches. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, if this roast sucks too, expect Dan and Robert to rationalize how it also isn't Drew's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Only $10 extra a month. What a bargain. <laughs> Drew is what would happen if Roddy Piper's theme song was a person that was only capable of having 12-minute matches with Madcap Moss. <laughs> he was a member of the group three-man band with Heath Slater and Jinder Mahal because sometimes it's good to lump all the things that suck about a company into one faction. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> hey, I love three-man band, but they're no the core. <laughs> <laughs> 
Vince McMahon handpicked him to be the next big star in 2009. So let's not pretend he's just going senile now. (laughs) (laughs) He does lots of make-a-wishes because it's not bad enough a kid is sick. He's now got to settle the guy with Shane's boo set and groundskeeper Willie's accent. (laughs) Cheer up, wee laddie. I wish John Cena was here instead of me too. (laughs) (laughs) It is a wonderful accent. Can't wait till he's in AEW and we see how hard he rolls his R's when he says his new catchphrase, Bobby Fish, I'll see you on Rampage. (laughs) (laughs) You know you're not an actual star when people say, but he was so good in his TNA run. Yeah, so was Christian. It doesn't mean I want to see him in an actual company. (laughs) (laughs) He was the perfect champion for the empty arena era since he would have gotten the same reactions at a packed show. All these people saying Drew was screwed out of a proper title run. Hey, fuck you. You did not hear Randy Orton and Edge complain. They still went out and had the greatest match ever. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, they didn't really have a plan for his championship run. They put the title on him, and then he lost 5,000 viewers, and then he lost (laughs) 5,000 more. (laughs) it's our national anthem thank you even though his title run fell flatter than a ridge holland suplex he does connect with a certain type of fan that would also name a sword after their dead mom hey you know show some respect and put beverly back in her sheath (laughs) finally yes he has a sword named angela after his mom because you know the grieving process is hard and weird is he going to use the sword in a match? No. Is he going to move on from his mom's death? Hopefully. The world title, three-man band, and losing his mom are just a few of the things he's never going to be able to get over. <laughs> That's it for me. <laughs> oh, that was great. All right. Oh, man. Uh, went on too long, and then it became real. All right. Uh, <laughs> no, we loved it. Just like it's title right. All right, Robert, you go. Uh, roast of Drew McIntyre. <clears throat> For this road to WrestleMania, we're set to roast a man beloved by fans, oozing charisma, and saw his main event push cruelly yanked away with that explanation. But then we thought it was too soon to roast Big E after the injury. <laughs> Vince McMahon famously anointed the young, handsome Drew as the chosen one. Years later, Vince would do the same thing with the young, handsome Austin Theory. It's clear chosen one is just Vince's Jeffrey Epstein code word for grooming twinks. <laughs> Drew, Drew McIntyre's career has truly evolved. He went from being in a fake band playing fake instruments to being a fake main eventer. <laughs> Drew left the WWE after his first run and did what veterans like Jim Ross recommended and learned a new hold. And based on his physique, when he returned, that new hold was gripping a needle. <laughs> so if the Glasgow kiss is a headbutt, the Glasgow hug must be when you choke your mouthy wife for talking during a soccer match. <laughs> I don't want to say Drew wasn't a main event draw, but he couldn't sell out the Thunderdome. <laughs> 
Drew carries to the ring a sword <laughs> named Angela in memory of his late mom. It's too bad Vince Russo isn't booking anymore because he would have made the sword his dead mom. <laughs> Bro, his mother's soul's in the sword. It's poignant as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> this year this year drew is facing happy corbin at wrestlemania it's nice to see the evolution of the business when it's no longer just the women's match that's the piss break <laughs> drew mcintyre has the accent of groundskeeper willie the physique of groundskeeper willie and the main event star power of groundskeeper willie <laughs> people often compare drew's promo skills to another famous scott rowdy roddy piper in Piper's current condition. <laughs> Drew contracted COVID-19. Some of the symptoms of COVID include intense physique. Ah, fuck. Doing it again. We're yes. doing it again. <laughs> Do it Drew contracted COVID-19. Some of the symptoms of COVID include intense fatigue, malaise, and mild nausea. So doctors just assumed he watched one of his matches. <laughs> Wasn't worth going back for. Fuck. No, it's not. <laughs> I still was getting it out. Uh, Crush left the WWF and had a WWF. All right. Crush left. <laughs> I haven't slept in like two days. All right. I was in Vegas for a week. We're making this work. Crush this left the, the WWF. you'd be having anyways. Yeah, that's pretty fair. Uh, <laughs> Crush Guys, left you can't the see w it, but his bald spot went to the back now. It's yes. crazy. <laughs> it's migrating. His bald spot went and grabbed a yarmulke and put it over it. <laughs> I name his bald spot Angela. I'll get you booed on Dynamite. <laughs> Crush left the WWF and had a stint in prison before returning to the company with a renewed push. Not to be outdone, during Drew's hiatus, he voluntarily had himself incarcerated in the Impact Asylum. <laughs> Drew was TNA champion. Performing in front of no fans really performed, really prepared him for the Thunderdome era. <laughs> Drew, Drew had a number of great feuds. Bobby Lashley, Roman Reigns, AJ Styles. But for me, his most feared opponent was the Beast Incarnate. But enough about his marriage to Taryn Terrell. <laughs> Drew McIntyre named Bret Hart as his favorite wrestler. Coincidentally, Bret Hart named Bret Hart as his favorite wrestler. <laughs> yes, Ross did the same joke, but Bret felt he wasn't being mentioned enough during this roast. <laughs> Drew used a move called the Scott Drop. While we all know the Scott drop is the feeling Scott Chaplin has 10 minutes after watching a Kenny Omega match. <laughs> in college, Drew studied criminology, in case you ever wondered why he never teamed with Teddy Hart. <laughs> Here's my Scott joke of the week. After winning the NXT title, Drew was jumped by Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly. It was a short attack. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, currently, Drew is the spokesman for Cricket Wireless, which makes sense since both are known for making unreliable connections with people. <laughs> uh, and generating crickets. All right. No, no, no punches pulled. All right, Scott, bring us home. All right, Drew McIntyre. He's Scott-ish and boring. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like Mike, his name is Drew, even though he never has. The Scottish warrior, not to be confused with the skittish warrior, who is the guy that showed up anytime a college hired Jim Helwig to speak. <laughs> <laughs> he wore blue war paint to symbolize his title reign, the company Blue. 
Mm. Imagine you're the top guy during a global pandemic and Vince says, look, I'm depending on you. I'm going to I'm going to need you to carry this thing. And you think he means the company, but then he hands you a sword. (laughs) Here, carry this. Much like the much like the word sword, his W's are easily forgotten. I spell it S-O-R-D. He wears a kilt. The spelling of kilt is the same spelling Marty Jannetty used when admitting to murder on Facebook. <laughs> I killed him. K-I-L-T. <laughs> he trained for Brock Lesnar by carrying kegs up a mountain. Carrying kegs up a mountain sounds like something a friend would hope for Scott Hall in heaven. <laughs> you know, like, I hope he's up there carrying two kegs up a mountain. <laughs> just, just two full kegs up a beautiful green mountain. <laughs> uh, here's a stinker. His real last name is Galloway. Galloway is also what Batista took from John Morrison. He took his Galloway. Uh, Fuck you guys. 3MB, 3MB is proof that Vince McMahon's never heard of a band. (laughs) And finally, three-man band was like Blink-182, except instead of blinking, I just closed my eyes and fell asleep. (laughs) Rush to Drew McIntyre. That was a good one. That and Jericho. What a march. Start. No, nothing to take away from Greg the Hammer Valentine, Mark Henry, but but quite the March Rust. R- <laughs> Ross, will any of us be allowed in Scotland? <laughs> not, um, but not the for the accents. No. <laughs> you know, I was I was actually you know Mike Mike worked as stiff as I thought, but I was surprised at how stiff Robert worked. So, mm. um, ain't, you mean he was hard gr- the whole time he was doing it. Well, that I've is been, fair. Yeah, I've been furiously <laughs> masturbating. Look at that glorious chest yeah. here, Mr. Yeah, Scott, Scott only works stiff during our AEW reviews. Uh, wait, wait. <laughs> I also think we need to acknowledge that, like, part of why Dan likes Drew so much is he thinks they look like each other a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like, every time Dan likes a wrestler, I want people to know he actually thinks they look like each other. Like, there's moments where he's like, "Yeah, I have a hairy chest." Like. Drew McIntyre and he just believes it like God. he sees fat bastard have the same accent and does not connect that dot at all God, I, I see it I can totally see I can totally see Dan's wife also beating him up <laughs> oh she is Sicilian all right ain't that swell let's do our ain't that swell we uh we did this is one of my favorite uh things like Mike said that WWE's ever produced um, I even watched it multiple times this week because of because we were getting ready for it. Yeah, this is what Dan <laughs> not thinks just because that. This is what Dan thinks it's like when he prepares for a set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Dan walking a bag of groceries up one flight of steps. <laughs> uh, anyway, I used I paper to... and the bag didn't rip. Oh, a hero! Anyway. Hey, babe, you want me to get that for you? <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen it, it's Drew McIntyre in the Scottish Highlands prepping for his match against Brock Lesnar. Um, with this old Scottish guy that I actually thought they should have brought in as his manager because I think that like having like a little Scottish Burgess Meredith would have been awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, man. I you know like if they could when Drew's at his best, he's whatever this guy is at, in this, and I do still see it from time to time. But when he's at his best, he's this guy that's in this video. Um, what did you uh, think about this video, Ross? Yeah, it's different reactions because uh, you guys 
seem to all or mostly think it was pretty cool. But as a Scottish person, it was quite cringy because that's kind of like how people see us as these sort of Neanderthals, like carrying stuff up a mountain. Like we don't have nobody knows Tony t- Blair Scottish. True. Uh, yeah. yeah, but uh, it's, it's a thing called the Scottish cringe where we're just perpetually embarrassed by everything. Yeah, they're booking to make a us nation. feel bad. <laughs> but uh, it was cool in, in some respects I don't know, when did the, did he come back to Scotland to film that during COVID? I never really thought about it before It was right when they were, it was right, I remember Because it was it was around that week I did my last show Because me and Drew are the same And also they, <laughs> and they cancelled the NBA season It was like right when COVID was starting Ah, right, okay uh, Yeah, it was cool uh, He looked great in it like a proper I guess superstar. it is a little bit. I mean, it is a little bit. It is cartoonish, but like when you're, you know, when when it's like a white guy, you don't see it. I guess as much as like Saba Simba or something. But um, yeah, it is a little cartoonish. But is that, I loved that, it still. Is that guy somebody? The guy that's with him? Is that like? No, I, don't, I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't recognize him at all. It's Super uh, Scott Jose Lothario. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was very good. Uh, yeah, he played this part well. But it was a, yeah, it's classic sort of WWE build to media kind of videos. They do them very well. They always have, even when the actual wrestling's pretty poor. They always do the the videos and the vignettes very well. It was just another great one that they've done, well produced, etc. But yeah, it was a bit cringy as a Scottish person re-watching it again today. I was like, oh yeah, God, that was quite but uh, yeah, cool enough. Did the Robert, job what as do well. you think? I don't mind Scottish cultural appropriation, so it was great. Uh, it was it was different than what they do. Uh, it didn't feel like what most WWE produced content is. It's why I always say when they step out of the box a little bit and and they do something like this, whether it's a, a more human interest piece or a more interesting worked on location thing it makes you feel a little bit more connected to who the wrestler is it's not like he's chasing chickens like when they did the vince mcmahon training video like this felt well produced well thought out it was shot well uh it looked professionally done as opposed to some of the things that they were doing at that point and you become invested in in what he's doing and he looked like an absolute monster doing this when he's lifting up a giant boulder and he's carrying these massive kegs and you're in this mountain area. You're like, this is a guy you can legitimately believe in if you're watching. And I thought it was excellent. And what the fuck did it get us? Yeah. Um, Scott. Yeah, man. This was when we started finding out that the WWE had fast and furious money. And I think when you start making Fast and Furious money, you got to start doing Fast and Furious shit. And that felt like this for a minute. I was like, oh, wow, they should really start producing kind of everything like this. Like, I think the feud Mm -hmm. should be that, you know, like I think they should like they should just be in the woods, like arguing like, fuck it. Let Drew's storyline be like he's in the woods. Like, argue. I I just don't give a shit. Like it's uh, I'm so over what the company is now that it's just spend the money and make it like an actual TV series like Lucha Underground, but instead it's... Or, or any fight with the Hardys in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like, th- this was this was a moment where I, I thought, give me this, because this is so much better than everything you've been giving us for years, that all I want to see is this. This is pre-Nick Khan, so they had the budget. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah they, they, they fired the entire Scottish wing of WWE after this. Uh, Mike... <laughs> Before we move on to... Uh, they left them on the help. mountain. Well, you know, I mean, Ross is, is completely right. It, the more you think about, like, the, the, the cheesiness of it. 
but um but that's part of why i like it <laughs> and yeah. and i and i think that um the idea like like cuz there's here's two things none of us uh, have mentioned one it ends with him going let's <laughs> which is just fucking awesome but the other thing that's great is that he does this in a so he's yeah, so he's like lifting like a giant like rock he is doing a tug of war with a bunch of it, it's great anyone from any country looks like the same when they're an amateur wrestler like when when they're an aspiring wrestler like these guys could have been the security guys on dynamite last night like they all every fucking two-year guy in looks the fucking same dude how funny would it be if one of the guys was qt was <laughs> he was actually the big rock that he was <laughs> His best work. Same, same same uh screen presence but no what's what's so funny though is that he fucking he's doing all this and he's got his wrestling tights and a t-shirt on, which for some reason it has always looked silly to me, but it works in an arena. But anywhere outside of that, it looks like someone just fucked. Anytime you see somebody in just the tights and the shirt, it looks like they just fucked or they're about to fuck. Like it it reminds me of a f- fellow great Scotsman, uh, Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> or Donald or something <laughs> where it's like they got the shirt and no pants. It's it's so weird. I feel like he should have just had pants on or something. Like it Yeah, it or the kilt. Just put the kilt on. A kilt, yeah. yeah. It may look a little silly, but but overall, man, this was fucking awesome. And yeah, like Nick Khan would look at this now and be like, oh yeah, <laughs> you spent five wrestlers on this. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, uh, I mean, this is probably like this is better made than some of the WWE films that have been released in theaters. <laughs> uh, it definitely has Did better. The Leprechaun, my God! <laughs> yeah, we yes. promise never to talk about that movie again, Scott. Cedo Evil Too, definitely better than that. Um, well, let's get to our show and hell portion of Drew. Uh, this is uh, the chosen, the famous chosen one promo from Vince McMahon, where Vince announces. The signing of Drew McIntyre, Drew cuts a promo. You know, the segment itself isn't that interesting, but what's, in- what's interesting about it is, you know, we kind of all know the story is that Drew, uh, you know, Drew was not all that after after getting hyped up. His his run kind of stalled. And then, you know, he came back and he and he was this thing that that Vince wanted him to be. It's 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 interesting because now we're seeing Vince do that with Austin Theory. And I wonder how it's going to work with Austin Theory. You know, like right now he's in a hot feud with Pat McAfee. I actually think they've been doing a really good job with mm-hmm. it. But you know, what will happen after? Will he be? Will 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 being with Vince be a be a detriment? I I do think that you know Austin Theory hasn't been put in the position to fail that Drew was from this. But uh, you know, only time will tell. Mike, uh, what did you think of this? Mike's the one who picked it too. Well, yeah, I mean, it is such like an interesting moment. And the thing that I'd forgotten about this, which really does kind of fuck it. And once again, not Drew's fault, but, you know, Vince talks him up and then leaves. They don't share any screen time together, really, in this, you know. And so the, the entire remember, like sometimes when he does, like when he was finally in the ring with the Fiend and he just no sold the Fiend and made the Yeah, fiend but it's still. It's still the the glow and the shine of of of, of the of the chairman kind of thing, 
but it's it's the thing yet. Yeah, so this this entire uh, segment is Vince talking about all the stars that are going to be there next week. So that kind of fucking sucks. You know, he's like, Cena and Batista. <laughs> and, you know, he's telling you, yeah, next week is the 10th anniversary of SmackDown. And he's saying all these names of people because he says the past, present, and future, right? So he talks about all these people from the past that are coming back that get pops but are not there. And then he talks about this guy. And it's like, so he's having to follow <laughs> the Undertaker not being there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, and all this shit. And then he comes out and then he feuds with R-Truth. And then immediately, like, I've never seen a segment so quickly go from, like, top tier to low tier. Like, I mean, the only, the only, the only way this segment could have been worse is if Vicky Guerrero came out and challenged his citizenship. <laughs> <laughs> but this was, I mean, it just, it just sunk quick, and you're like, oh yeah, this guy's a mid Carter. Um, and and, and he, even the, his like accent at this time, like he did sound so like, how did he get such Man. a thicker voice where he's like, Teddy Long has been too busy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so different from what is now. He's got a lot of American in his act. It sounds like Jenner Butler now. Yeah, because he was, he was still an a, adult here. So is that what it was? It was just that he was like straight from Scotland. Yeah, and it was just such a thick accent. Yeah, air Scotland is on the west coast. That's very thick accent, and he sounded like he's from air when he made his debut. But now he's definitely Jenner Butler. Like because that's I mean, because also like Ross like. That's what Dewdrop needs, right? Like, cause I could I could understand you perfectly. I can understand Drew perfectly. Dewdrop, you need subtitles. <laughs> yeah, no, she's from the same area. She's from the, the Ayrshire area. And uh, yeah, I'm from the East Coast, so we speak a bit better. I'm gonna get in trouble for saying that, but we speak a bit better in the the East Coast. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Dewdrop is yeah. Uh, even I'm like, yeah, what, what are you saying? But it's just it's the East and West divide. Well, they don't and, uh, do Dewdrop any favors by putting her with Nikki. And Nikki, you can understand what she's saying. You might not want to mm. hear what she's saying, but you can at least understand no. the promo. Yeah, yeah. The, the, uh... the, so I said that the downside to this, because Dan asked before if whether or not the Austin Theory thing is going to work with Vince. And I'd say yes, because here it was presented earnestly. It was Vince McMahon as a heel saying, here is your next chosen one. And this is the guy we're going to force down your throat at a point in time when the audience didn't like when they did this with John Cena and Batista before Austin theory now is kind of a conniving weaselly heel that you want to see, get the shit beat out of him. And he doesn't deserve that spot. And that's okay. Drew being told them saying like, this is our next top guy. And it's coming from Vince automatically is the kiss of death because it's like, all right, show us why you're better than everyone we just named. And no one's going to live up to that. And he shouldn't live up to it because Vince McMahon's a heel and the rule of wrestling is heels lie. And the only guy that ever came in with that kind of hype and it worked was Brock Lesnar. So now you're instinctively comparing him to Brock Lesnar in his debut. That's not going to happen. And it's not like they were pairing him with Paul Heyman to make it work. And then Vince's association with Drew was like less and less as weeks went on. Whereas the Austin Theory thing, number one, is the most bizarre fucking David Lynch fever dream you've ever seen. And number two, it works because Austin Theory is 
the sniveling heel who's seeking approval from Vince McMahon and nobody's supposed to, you know, buy it. And that's why it's going to be successful. It's a bit more subtle as well, because I've not seen he's a chosen one. He's just like hanging about with them. So yeah, so it's a lot more subtle. Austin theory. It does uh, feel like you're watching a, a documentary on Sandusky when they're in the room together. Um, yeah, man. Uh, Rust, uh, when you first saw this, was he where you're like, oh, this guy's great? Or were you like, this is all right? Oh, no, it was, it was really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hearing somebody with this, a similar accent on uh, SmackDown was crazy uh, at the time. Uh, I I love watching that back, actually. I forgot how mad it was. I, I like seeing uh, a big, massive guy, a wrestler in a suit, because I always think they look like, completely ridiculous. I just don't, they shouldn't wear suits. It just looks mad. And he did that, kind of strange walk that he used to have coming down to the ring. And uh, the best bit was when R-Truth came out and they'd been having a few incidents up to that point uh, where they'd been attacking each other. But R-Truth came out quite angry, but still did the full-length version of his rap as he was coming out the the crowd. Very much like what Jeff Hardy did a couple of weeks ago in Dynamite, where he came out dancing whilst his brother was getting his head kicked in. I love that. Would you say it turned out that R-Truth was the chosen one? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's uh, watching. You know they they really fucked up with Drew. Like thirty five, they had that terrible uh, Kurt Angle final match against Baron Corbin, and then they had a really fucking bad match between Roman and Drew compared to like oh, the match they had a Survivor Series. That was awkward. Yeah, it was really yeah. Awkward you should have just fucking have Roman kill Baron or something like that, and then do Drew and do Drew and Angle. Man, have Drew take Angle out. Make that his okay. last match. I think That's, Drew had one of Angle's last matches in TNA from memory. He had one of his last matches in WWE. They had a match on Raw that was great. Um, and yeah, you know, well, Drew, thanks Fuck for you. listening. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, my identical twin. Thank you, um, Ross. Uh, wh- wh- where can we find you? Uh, all social media, Ross Leslie Comic, mainly use Twitter. Uh, I also write articles for PW Torch and do an Impact Wrestling. It's had a bit of stick on the show, Impact Wrestling Podcast, uh, on the VIP side on PW Torch. It's really good. The podcast oh, is yeah. good, but the show's, the show's pretty good now. Uh, I've, heard, than, I've heard. I've heard yes. Impact's gotten better, but life's too short. Yeah, there, exactly. there, there, Ross, you, you just you, you had a great roast jokes. Really uh, shine some light and then destroyed all your credibility. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I do. Wait, friend Trust of the show, me. Lance Storm, is a producer over there now. So yes, yeah. yeah I kind of want to. I kind of want to listen to the podcast just to hear you say moose. I feel like that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Ross. We appreciate it, buddy. Oh, thank you. Thanks, man. Nice to meet you guys. Right, thank Ross you. Leslie. Everybody, Ross Leslie. It's time for premium live events with Robert Carpolis. Robert, look, there's a lot of bullshit that goes on in the world of professional wrestling where people accuse uh, promoters of, of nepotism. You, you think of it, you're suddenly thinking of, of Eric Watts getting an unfair push or, or Garrett Bischoff and uh, or even the, the McMahon kids being rammed down your throat. And, and quite frankly, I, I'm sick of it. I am glad that that's no longer a problem in professional wrestling. Uh, on an unrelated note, DJ Valentino Khan will be performing <laughs> at WrestleMania, the most stupendous guest star of all time. Um, 
it, it, <laughs> at this point, like it's it's becoming like a Christopher Guest movie over there <laughs> at WWE, where Nick Khan has fired the vast majority of the roster uh, and is now making sure his son gets prominent places. Is it his son or nephew? I, nephew? It's nephew. something with it. It's it's something nepotism related. I, I didn't even bother to look it up. He has further. he has a following. Uh, he does not have a WrestleMania following. You know what I mean? He's a following but, as a DJ. Like, I mean, honestly, well, but you know, DJs are things. Uh, DJs which are strange. big deals. They, they you know. are a thing. I think when you guys sent this, my biggest surprise was that Shane McMahon was never a DJ. Like <laughs> he feels like he's got the vibe where he would have been absolutely a DJ, but the, it, it, but advertising it is not yeah, going he, to sell a single ticket. Yeah. And he looks like Shad Khan. He has like a, a mustache, like a young Shad Khan. He just, if he keeps growing it out, he will look like Tony's dad. Yes, he looks like how Tony Khan thinks he looks. He's wearing a turtle, like it's not a turtleneck, but almost. And there's a barbed, uh, like a barbed wire drawing around the neck. He, he looks like he starts every sentence with, hello, my friend. Every <laughs> who, sentence. Who would you rather hang out with, Nick Khan or Tony Khan? Ooh, Tony, Tony. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless Nick is going to give me money, it's like I don't have much to talk to him. At least I can like, I can talk, dude, I've talked to a lot of people who I would not be able to talk to other than they love wrestling, you know, and yeah. I could talk to a guy who's tough to talk to if he loves wrestling. And Tony Khan does that. I don't think Nick Khan, me and him would be able to have a discussion about wrestling. You literally just summed up this podcast, by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, Nick, Nick Khan is the kind of guy I deal with every day of the week in my real world. I don't want to deal with this guy here because he, it's clear he doesn't like professional wrestling. Um, and it's clear he has aspirations of wanting to do something else. And as a guy who's an executive and was an agent, that's a pretty good combination for not being a fun person to hang around. Tony Khan, I, I would, I'd be curious to see how much of it is, is myth with him and how much of it is really like, you know, the fidgety can't make eye contact and remember every you know, Madison square garden card from 1987 on. Like how much of him is Rain Man and how much of it is just kind of this is how he wants you to think he is. Well, getting back to Nick Khan, in your opinion, Robert, you know, is there anybody like where do you as far as stroke, where do you rank Nick Khan historically with Vince? I mean, I think as far as stroke, number one was probably 80s Hogan. But is he right? Under that, I mean, no, no I, I don't high. think he's. I don't think he's in the top few people who had full stroke and control. I don't think. I don't think Hogan's control was as much as as Austin's was at, at Austin's point in time, where Steve Austin had carte blanche to just tell Vince, like, "No, I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z." I think Nick Khan is the first time where they really brought somebody in from the outside business world who Vince listened to. They've had executives who came from the legitimate business world and they were installed into positions in the company and Vince just didn't care and didn't listen to them. Nick Khan is able to open doors for Vince where they can make a, a lot of money. And for Nick, this is a stepping stone to go do something else to be like, all right, I, I took on this really weird product and I made it wildly you know, uh, profitable. Now go give me something for real. So I think that, that helps in Vince's world because Nick Khan does not want to be 
the ruler of the WWE for the next 30 years, but he's going to put the company in a position where it can be financially successful if and when they find the right person to get behind on camera. It's, it's pretty amazing to think that, you know, in two years, possibly Valentino Khan could be, you know, in, in charge of NXT 2.0. <laughs> I, I hope he dubsteps the national anthem, you know? Like, I, he, Valentino, he looks like a guy who, even if he's, he would have like lied about being a DJ, even if he wasn't it, you know what I mean? Like he's, even before he was a DJ, he was telling people he was a DJ. Yeah, I would totally like, yeah, look the 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 announcement picture of him with a barbed wire turtleneck. <laughs> yeah. and it, it, he looks like 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 Star Trek evil mirror verse Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it it is amazing because yeah, like there's no Shane, there's no triple A, there is Valentino Khan. And the and, and the thing is, it's like here's what I love about this booking is you know wrestlemania is always like a microcosm of the company at the time you know like we could see liberace in 1985 and you know we could see flow rider in 2012 and you know and, and shit like that like it helps when you look back like oh this is what was around and this is the nick Khan era of this company and we will see that for sure in Valentino Khan, I mean, is he gonna is he gonna just like do a set in the middle of the show? Because that will be amazingly terrible. That'd be funny if that's if that's the, what they saddled Drew with. <laughs> They're like, yeah, you're coming out with Valentino this year. Well, I, I I think he performed at last year's Mania as well. He was at SummerSlam it's... last year. Okay, and it's just something kind of when everyone's getting. But was there, he was he on just... the main show, Robert, or was it like a pre-show thing? I know it was part of the pre-show. They may have cut to him at some point and been like, he's the house DJ, but um, yeah. the, like the only, beginning of in living I, color. Right, you know? I will say this. I, cause I'm trying to rack my brain of how it could actually make sense. And it, it hurt, but this is what I've come up with. He's perfect for them to use for Naomi and Sasha Banks's entrance. Yeah. Since Naomi comes out with the dancing and the, and the glow and all that other stuff, that would at least make sense. And I'm I'm okay with like you know I think back to one of the best WrestleMania entrances that they did was when they had Salt and Peppa bring out Lawrence Taylor and it worked so perfectly and it fits so it's like if you're going to have a DJ there and you have two people whose entrances is are predominantly based on them dancing down to the ring fine or if he's but just there to keep the live crowd entertained when they cut to uh, Sam Roberts uh, talking to JBL for 11 minutes about what we just watched from or the long ass video Super packages. Yeah. <laughs> no, you need the crowd to watch the long ass video packages that they know why they need to be emotionally invested in Damian Priest and Finn Balor. <laughs> also, I, is he I, really a DJ if no one in attendance dies of a Molly overdose? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very possible. That's very possible. Um, all it, right, folks. Interesting. Like, what if he does like a remix version of America the Beautiful? Yeah, Thinking when we were doing the, the, the Drew McIntyre roast, like it, it just kept cracking me up when uh remember when Reba McIntyre uh was at WrestleMania eight 
And Bobby Heenan goes, it's Tito Santana's on Ariba McIntyre. <laughs> now that's a McIntyre who had a WrestleMania moment we remember. You're damn right. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get it this year with Sad Corbin. Probably not. I mean, Happy Corbin, definitely not. All right, folks, let's get to our AEW. Sad AW- Scott watching it. Uh, AEW portion of the show. It's time for Dynamite or Dud. Hour one, CM Punk versus Dax Harwood, a Jericho Appreciation Society promo backstage, an eight-man no-disqualification match with uh, the Hardys, Sting, Darby, Private Party, and Butcher and Blade, an FTR promo backstage, the Varsity Blondes versus John Moxley, and da- Brian Danielson, who will now be, who are now named the uh, Black Pool Fighting Club. Is that it? Yeah. The- Black, uh, let me look it up. Um, MJF promo and a best friends promo. While Scott looks it up, Mike, what do you think of this first hour? Yeah, man, you know, Dynamite or Dud is pretty soon going to be called first hour, second hour. Uh, <laughs> I thought, no, man, this was this was fun. Uh, you know, I, I didn't, the pumpkin hardwood thing, it was like, you know, AW does that thing where it's like, here's a, a, a great match that I don't know why is happening, but it was fun. Where remember, well, remember what about like, the whole pinnacle thing, though? I mean, Punk beat well, up everybody, yeah, but, but they left, oh, but they left okay, totally yeah. and stuff. And yeah, but they're still in the pinnacle. Continue. All right, when let Mike that? finish his thoughts here. <laughs> but Scott, what was that? And also, because, but let me say, just be right about hour two and realize it was a great opening match. No, let me let me let me fucking tell you something. It was the, the, the fact that remember a few months ago, Punk was like, "Well, you're gonna make me wrestle the FTR guys at Warlow at Spears." It's like he even undersold it himself, and now it's opening a show. Well, no, now there's the Brett connection too. I mean, there's like it's like more than just one reason. It's like two. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it felt like very a well done. You know, top uh, star. I, I, I'm gonna actually agree with Mike here, just on a booking level. I don't understand. You, you kind of turn FTR babyface. I know yes. the argument. They're still yeah. with the pinnacle, whatever. And then you have them go. You have them go against your top babyface. I just don't know how that helps anybody. You have, yeah, how could they great be match baby- with your top babyface where he doesn't beat the shit out of him afterwards? And it's yeah, like, but it wasn't built they're both like Brett fans, face. and it's like it, very obvious that they have like a mutual a mutual respect. And then he can go. You know what? We fought Punk last weekend. I'm starting to realize some shit. Uh, fucking, you know, and they start talking, and then they get mad at MJ. It's like it all makes clear sense as to why they could. We'll, be we'll see. Punk. Maybe I'll, I'll be eating my words next week, and they'll pay that or, off. Or, or maybe this match was supposed to happen a month and a half ago, and Dax had too many, too much, like you know, Carl's Junior or some shit. indigestion. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, whatever. Uh, but hey, man, new record: ten seconds before an interruption, you fucker. Well, hey, no, 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 new record: ten seconds, nine seconds. So you were wrong. You can't do it every single time. Like, this, okay, continue. This is continue, turning continue. into continue. like the Trump Biden debates. I know. <laughs> I know where Trump did a better job than Biden. <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> did that not happen? Okay, continue. You're the All right, I can't. I can't wait for Scott's thoughts on Thunder Rosa. Then Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was terrible. Okay, continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, 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 uh, I thought that the second match should have been the last match. I thought that that would, should have been your main event, having that big, you know, that that's, you know, look, this is what we want to see Hardy do, jump until he dies. 
<laughs> Dude, that and, was a, that spot was amazing. I mean, yeah, that it was, was an awesome. Amazing table bump, but it was it was it was really fun. safe, safe too. But it was. It was you cool. think that was a logistics thing, which I agree, it should have been the last thing. But the idea of like, oh, we need to get out in the hallway, and if we do it right before it ends, like maybe the hallway will be packed with people. Like, you think it's some weird thing? Like, no, oh, I, light. I, I think the logistics you know, thing rampage is, after that. I think the logistics oh, yeah, thing is. Yeah. I, I think it literally is more people watch the first hour than the second mm. hour. We need to front load it. The main event very rarely feels like the biggest match on the show. I just want yeah. to point out, Mike just advocated for a Matt Hardy match to main event dynamite. This specific one. Just, I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, I guess the specific I, one, dude. But. I just watched a re- you know props to the ten, uh, plug for a ten dollar tier. I just watched Retro SmackDown. Uh, in uh, I'm at n- number match number three of the Hardy and uh, Edge and Christian Terry Runnels Invitational. This is way before TLC. <laughs> it's the Terry and, Invitational Tournament, Dan. Yeah, sorry, it's I'm sorry, tits. but they they have a Texas Tornado match, and Matt Hardy's fantastic in it. He's great. Uh, keep going. Oh, and then we have um, this. We we had the uh, the MJF promo. I, I I thought that this was good. I didn't think it was great. The Jesus moment, but you know, I'm, I'm sure popped me and Robert equally. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was, it was fun. Um, I just, yeah, I, I just don't feel the tension between MJF and, and Warlow that I did between MJF and Punk. And, and, and it still comes back to the thing uh, that Tony Khan does sign anybody. I don't see why he wouldn't have signed Warlow. Like I think they need to give a reason more as well, to why. My my guess my hands Mike, up, my is hands they're up, gonna my take a up. shot. Hold on, I think they're gonna take the <laughs> shot at WWE right, Scott, and they're gonna wait, say Scott, that he has it. My hands up. Fucking classier. Yeah, to, to, well, apparently. So listen, <laughs> Robert, I want to get Wardlow to you. Wardlow has a contract with MJF. Wait, 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 stop. Contracts. I have to get. That's order. not how I the have, law works, Scott. I have, have to maintain order. I have to maintain. What do you know order. about the law? Scott. I don't know shit about the law. Scott, all right, maintaining order. Scott, Dan, we're making up the lack of order. Rebuttal, Scott. No or- oh, Scott's chewing while he's trying to talk. This is the wheels are falling off here. You're making up chaos by being loud losers. It makes sense. He signed with MJF. Tony Khan is going to have to buy out MJF or some shit. It's, uh, no, like, it has to be that he has a non-compete. Is going to be a part of the storyline. I think they'll do the WWE wait. thing, and they're going to say he has a non-compete. So even if he terminates the contract, he's not allowed to sign with the like. They're going to do it as a shot at Vince and be like, "You can't sign with another wrestling company for five years because of it or something." But but Scott, this this is what I'm saying, right? The guy signed Joey Janela. And Dr. Luther and insert a lot of other 2019 major stars. Uh, Sorry, I was doing Scott's bit. You know, who who was the, the British guy that, that, that got canceled or whatever? That guy really sucked. Jimmy Havoc. Yeah, Jimmy Havoc. There was a oh, lot man, of turd yeah. there Jimmy were a Seville? lot of turd burglars. I'm saying there's a lot of turd burglars at this time in AW that whose contracts should not be renewed. I don't know why. They need to explain why Wardlow wasn't given an opportunity through the proper channels. That's all because I'm saying. Because MJF got to him. That's it. He's MJF's guy. But he would have tried on the planet. But he would have tried the other way first. I think it just it. That's like, the weird. That's a, what a strange thing to say. He would have tried the other way first. Yes, are we because talking about a cousin that we know. What are you saying? He would have tried the other way first. How the fuck does Janela get in? <laughs> because he was huge on the Indies. Who the fuck was Wardlow? Some guy MJF showed up and we all went, what a dumb a guy, name, Wardlow. A guy who's actually huge. They fucking signed Marco Stunt. 
Yeah, like, they're not just going to sign big muscular guys that nobody knows. They're not the WWE. But listen, just we did just tell the real, and I will agree with Scott here. We did just have our Lucha Underground Patreon episode plug for our Patreon, where we talked about how Lucha Underground fucked all those guys with a contract. So, like, this does really happen in wrestling. Like, I just need to explain because this is the thing, right? It's like I. I'm I'm the comic book guy, and if you fucking interrupt me on that, uh, you don't know what you're talking about. And I read lots of supervillain origin stories and supervillains who are reluctant, right? A guy who tries to do it the honest way, he gets rejected, he makes a deal with the devil. That shit happens all the time. We need a reason as to why that happened. Yes, Scott? Um, is the super... Here uh, is the villain origin story the first thing you see about the villain or do you read about the villain for fucking 10 years and then finally get an origin story and can that origin story just be explained on commentary as opposed to a flashback in some in, in, in uh, fucking issue 232 you read most of the time the origins in, in the yes. first appearance uh, so like Spider-Man 300 uh, Venom's first appearance we get his origin we get everything about him, why mm-hmm. he does what he does, and who Joker, he is. Joker, you get Joker's origin. You get you enough get of it. Penguin's origin immediately. You get enough of it. You get enough of it. You yeah, get you enough get of Wardlow. Like... This is my fucking. This is my god. This is my big brew. Sorry, we're interrupting Scott, your dinner, Scott. Scott is eating a blimpy sandwich while he cuts <laughs> a promo. I don't even uh, mind. Robert, what what yeah. did you think of this first hour? Um, I like. Oh, by punk- the way, I love the Daniel Bryan stuff. Keep going. Yeah, I, I love the Punk uh, Dax match. It was just, it was fun to see them go out there and and wrestle, and it was putting the spotlight and shifting, you know, FTR as not being heels. And I love that Dax went for the sharpshooter to keep planting the seeds for uh, for the other thing that they did. And I'm thrilled that they finally fucking did this. CM Punk, after he wins the match, goes up on the turnbuckles and puts his hands around his waist in the, I, maybe, I, maybe I want the title. It was very subtle, but it's like a reminder of, oh, yeah, there is an AEW title. There's not an AEW champion right now, but there's an AEW title, and people should want it. So Punk's like, yeah, maybe I should want that. Uh, the Jericho thing, I love how every single wrestler of this generation has pictures with the older generation of guys. Um that's kind of ridiculous and hilarious. Uh, I like Jericho using the future endeavor line. Other than that, I could honestly give two shits about the dark order uh, facing these guys because the dark order are not a threat at all. And essentially have only been used as their hangman's buddies. Um, Sting- well, here was my thing, Robert. I'm sorry. Just attack. Yeah. Just to jump on that. Like the dark order is a sports entertainment gimmick. Like yes, that, that was but the that's the, that that's the idea. Like, They're well, doing like, the irony. Well, I of, wish they had, he had just gone against Matt Seidel. I mean, Matt's injured, but you know, like, no, so. but that was the whole thing when they're, when, you know, Mike's favorite wrestler, Daniel Garcia is like, we're a sports entertainer. It's like, yes, you're, you're putting gimmick against gimmick and it's trying to be ironic or something. Uh, the eight man is now like, you're, you're giving him everything that you ever want to see out of the Hardys in three weeks, where now two weeks from now, I never need to see Matt and Jeff Hardy wrestle again. Um, which is totally fine. We don't need to see Matt and Jeff Hardy wrestle again. The The merchandise table dive was a fun spot, but it's, again, there's no steam to this. And I feel like you're like, you're everyone's just kind of treading water until they find something better to do. Uh, Moxley and, and Danielson beating up the varsity blondes was very entertaining. The Julia Hart thing is constant start and stop. This is where Tony Khan expects you to remember everything that's ever happened on their show and still waiting for a payoff on this. It's it's like the veer of AEW. 
Uh, Regal's Scott's awesome. Scott's chewing. Keep talking, Robert. Scott's chewing. Uh, Regal, <laughs> the, the Regal promo after with Moxley and this whole idea of like, all right, if you want to be with us, you need to be like a fucking psychopath. It's fun. It makes sense why these guys are together. And there's an authenticity to them that a lot of this doesn't have. The MJF promo started off feeling pointless um he's great and you can give him it's like you it's like you give him a, a word and he'll talk about it for 20 minutes but what winds up happening is the the he needed to have evolved after this punk feud and i talked about that before and it felt like a little bit of a regression at first uh and then them getting angry about like i'm gonna piss on your grave like we've seen him do horrible things it's hard to get really ramped up uh but yes when when he started when he used the phrase uh the uh the schmuck and the crowd in Texas started chanting for Jesus, uh, which is fucking terrifying. And Texas is a flaming dumpster fire and of a state. Uh, and then him saying he's going to put Wardlow on the cross like Jesus. All of a sudden, Max remembered how to do a promo again and make it count and matter. And that part was fun. You can tell when he's phoning it in versus when he's really invested. And when he had the crowd, that's when it started going. And yes, Scott's right. The tease about the pinnacle that next week we're going to see FTR because you're still teasing this pinnacle split or are they together? Are they not? It's a little bit of seed planting that ultimately do we care? Not as much as I do about, you know, the best friends confronting Wheeler Yuta and what's Yuta going to do because I like Wheeler Yuta and I want something good to happen. And I'm kind of sick of everyone and the best friends and they can go. Robert's trying to preserve like the three friendships. No, I'm no, I genuinely, I just, I, I outside of as much as I enjoy hearing that Pixie song, I don't need to see orange Cassidy uh, or the best friends on TV again. But hey, hey, Chuck oh, Taylor. Orange Cassidy's a big star. But but Robert, Chuck Taylor clearly had something that Wardlow didn't. <laughs> yes. And maybe we'll find out. Yes. And by the way, no. And Scott, and Scott, it's not, Scott, hold on. And I yes, do want to say now because I cut up before. Thank you. The, the fact of the matter is it, you don't need an origin story on this. We've already heard the Wardlow origin story. It was Grapes of Wrath. And he was like, you know, we needed to save the family farm. And then Max came in. But the idea is there needs to be something in the contract that says, that there's a non-compete clause, which means had a vision of uh, of like Wardle's mom slowly sucking on his nipple to for sustenance. Yes. I, I uh, do love that it's his mom and not his wife the whole time. <laughs> I also like that Scott's drinking a fruit cup. Mm. Like, what the fuck is going on over there? Yeah, it was very good. Listen, I didn't get to review hour one. I thought this was a fantastic hour. But yet, yet, yet somehow you did the most talking. You well, did. I know. No, 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 no. It was you not. No, no. Here's the deal. It wasn't a bad hour boss. But this is like this is like six weeks in a row where hour one was good and then hour two was off. Let's let Scott. But I will say that everything was was very well done. Um, The Jericho backstage promo when he said the future endeavored thing, I go, yeah, but a sports entertainer doesn't say that. Like Vince says that, and then I go, ah, this is this is going to be Vince, and I didn't like that. I think a sports entertainer, you you need to do a better job with whatever that's going to be. And we'll talk about it more in the main event. But I was like, oh, I think this isn't going to be as good as we thought it was going to be when he said that. Well, let's, well, Scott, we'll keep on you for hour two. Hour two, Adam Cole versus Jay Lethal, which was a very good match that seemed more like a commercial for the Ring of Honor tape library. But uh, it was the match <laughs> itself I really enjoyed. Uh, Dustin and Archer promo. Uh, Sammy Tanakati, Dan Lambert promo where... I mean, I, I, I mean, we'll all have a lot to say about this, so I'm not going to, you know, uh, eat, cut any meat off the bone just yet. Layla Hirsch versus Red Velvet, 
a Jade Cargill promo, uh, which, uh, what did she say to Tony? That was fantastic. She said, "Cut, stop your, stop with your bullshit, Tony. I don't know. It was great. Um, and uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society versus the Dark Order. What did you think of the second hour, Scott? And uh, you left out Thunder Rosa. Oh, my God. I can't gosh, believe I forgot yeah. that out. Yes, and Thunder Rosa and Nyla Rose, which is, I mean, I mean, that's a fucking train wreck. But, Scott, what do you think of the second hour? Yeah, I, th- I thought that Adam Cole versus Jay Lethal was a lot of fun. I thought it was very good. I thought Hangman coming out and, and kind of spanking uh, all of them was fun, too. And then the low blow and the stealing the belt. That was fun. And then uh, things just got worse. It, uh, I did not like the Sammy Ty thing. I keep forgetting that she has an accent. And, and then I, and then like, I, because uh, all I see, all I know of them is pictures now. Like, I forgot that what Sammy does other than like, he'll do a crazy move and then he'll remind you that he's, he does crazy things, which I, I hate that he says, I, like uh, one of his catchphrases is that he's crazy. I, I kind of like that babyface promo, though. I thought he cut a pretty good babyface promo. Nah, man, he's such a heel. Him. I mean, look at him. It's like in in what context is this like a is he the, a babyface ever? At least in the world of wrestling, it, it's really hard to root for him. Uh, and so I think he should be a heel. I wasn't crazy about this. I thought if this was backstage and it was quick, like the whole play of like, well, Sammy clearly came on this belt. I think that's fine. I think that's fun and funny and I get it. And I get it getting a pop from the crowd. It's just make it a quick thing. Don't drag it out. And also, you know, can I, can I, can I add too, on obviously. to this, Scott? If that was a real shoot, Dan Lambert would have smelled the title. Let's be honest. <laughs> well, yeah, he would have, he would have understood how much more it would be worth now. You know, he's a belt collector. <laughs> um, and then, gosh, I mean, what came after that? Then it was Layla Hirsch, right? That match wasn't At 930. Very Obviously wasn't very good. Then after that was the Thunder Rosa thing. And I'm not, you know, a lot of people were like, Thunder Rosa deserved to make a speech. And maybe, but I wouldn't even have minded if someone we gave a shit came out and attacked her or a new signing or I mean, goddamn, there there, there are women out there now that you can pick up. We know, like we, we've seen that, you know, people get fired the same week as Keith Lee and they they aren't here yet, you know, women and uh and then it's Nyla, and it's like we've never enjoyed these Nyla feuds. So with anybody, and and Vicky, uh, while she was good at one time, maybe that's gone. And it's all very, it's a you know what it is? It's she bombs. You hear her voice, and you go, oh yeah, I get it. She is annoying, and there is proper heat in that. And then she goes another twenty seconds, and it's just like, oh you, but you're bad at this too. You don't quite know what to say, and. Then they make it a fucking uh, Mexican. You know, they question her green card. It was just a total, total bomb. Uh, hated it. And then the main event was, I thought, really late. You know what it was? It was like, oh, we're the sports entertainers. And so we're going to give you a raw main event. And by that, I mean, just walk away, walk away, because it doesn't matter. And that's what it Well, felt I like, like the steel steps thing. I thought that was kind of fun. Like, that was like very sports entertainery. Sure. I mean, look, I thought there was moments in the match for sure, uh, but not. And and e- even worse is I thought the crowd was expecting something more at the end, and uh, it just didn't happen. Um, Robert, what do you think of the second hour? Uh, it's uh, great use of Jay Lethal as as kind of being an upper tier enhancement talent. That's a fine role for him. You're not going to really push him in any capacity, but he can go out there and have good matches. 
Um, I hate that we're now going to wind up getting an Adam Cole hangman page, like whipping match or something. I, I don't, it, it didn't feel like a main event moment when page came out there, the crowd did not treat him like he was any kind of real star. This feels like they're fighting for the intercontinental title. And that sucks. The Dustin Rhodes, Lance Archer package. Dustin's promo was so much better than it had any right to be for this type of feud. Um, it's weird that Lance Archer disappeared for a long, long time and, and then comes back to this. And I know Scott, will get to it later. Uh, the Sammy and Ty, uh, this is making me like Dan Lambert, which is just weird. That's how bad this is when he called her Lucha Horace. Uh, it's, it's just, yes, yeah, Sammy and Ty are not likable as baby faces. And I know Mike's pissed because, you know, he loves Pam and she's the real star of this whole thing. But Dude, yeah, Sammy's never. If Dan started fucking Pam, Dan Lambert, like they, they married or something, that would be great. Yes. Dan wearing the title is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, it's it's just kind of it's 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 just kind of there. And it's weird that Sammy doesn't seem to care about all the stuff that happened with all of his other friends. Like he's on a totally different TV show. Uh, the swerve little promo in the back was cool. I just hate that they keep putting him on rampage they do this with a lot of these guys you bring them in you debut them and then you don't let them wrestle on dynamite and then they're just like the rampage crew so it's starks and hobbs and 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 keith lee and him and all this nonsense it's like they're they belong on velocity they're not main event people so they don't feel important to the crowd uh as opposed to layla hirsch and and red velvet which was you know my match of the of the of the week it was awesome, followed by an amazing Jade Cargill promo, followed by an amazing Thunder Rosa promo. I don't know why Tony Khan hates women. I don't know what the they've Jade done to him. The Jade thing was kind of fun. I thought the Jade thing was cut uh, the yeah, She had one good oh. line, but the rest of it was just, it's, it's, it's a waste of time on TV. And yeah, you're right, Scott. Vicky knows the only thing that gets heat anymore is her yelling, excuse me, so she's going to do it 20 times. And putting Thunder Rosa in there with Nyla Rose sucks. But then you said, have someone we care about come out. There is not a single woman on the roster outside of Britt Baker that the audience cares about. I mean, Ruby Riot vanished off the face of the earth. You could have turned her heel and had her go out there. You could have signed Ember Moon and had her go out there and attacked it. There's nobody in the women's division that is primed as a top heel to go after Thunder Rosa. And there's nothing that's going to pay it off. And no, Serena Deeb doesn't count. And then the main event was a, a, total fart in church because the audience was convinced because Jericho made that whole big thing during his promo of I don't see Eddie Kingston here I don't see proud and powerful I guess they're just they, they're not showing up they're all cowards and then we're going to give you a lame duck shitty main event where you know what the finish is before you watch it and that's all you get and that's not a good kind of heat in 2022 it was kind of like shame on you for sticking to the end of the show when AEW rarely misfires in that way where it wasn't a bad match, but it was totally pointless. And the audience didn't end the show feeling justified in what they watched. And they can just do that on USA every week. Well, Raw was actually pretty good this week, but I'll get to that. Mike, um, what did you think of the second hour? You know, what's amazing is that I, I was looking this up last night. You know, Reynolds and Silver were the number one contenders. And, and I, I'm sure Scott's about to, to strike me down because I'm I'm going after their precious ranking system. Um, they have never won a single match on TV ever, not one. I looked this up; they've never uh, not on Rampage, not on Dynamite, um, 
And the last two matches they've won were against Luthor and Serpentico in <laughs> Dark. They've quote Bruce Pritchard, main event anywhere in the country. What's that? The quote Bruce Pritchard, main event anywhere in the country. But they've only won on Dark. Somehow they're number one. Um, Moxley and, and, and Danielson in the top five yet. Punk, Punk is not in the top five. Lance Archer is number one, who... Spoiler alert, Rampage, they just had him lose to Dustin Rhodes. Their, their rankings are, are just a, a mess. It, it, but, but technically, yeah, I mean, you, you have to admit that it does make sense technically, right? Like an actual, it like, though. Oh. Well, no, in ranking, if you actually, like, look at the numbers, it makes it, sense. Yeah. That's how you rank it. But if you're saying a win and a loss is the same anywhere, right? That's what you're saying, right? Well, yeah, that's how wins and losses work. Where, 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 where is that otherwise? The college AP, where it's based on who you beat in terms Zach, of where Zach, you wind cut, up being ranked. Cut Robert's feed. What the fuck is that? But, but also, but, but, but Scott, Scott is right. I mean, like, you know, like that's why like Tennessee Titans have an amazing record and then they yeah, it's like joke every year. Mike, you're just not the math autistic, but math autistics know <laughs> that this works, that this is full, this works. <laughs> It's irritating because you don't you go Jay Lethal's fucking number one contender. I haven't seen him on TV in forever. It's annoying, but it it technically he has had these matches and you can find them uh, on the internet, and he he's won some, you know. But but two things, two things. There are sometimes people that do win more that are not ahead. You'd have to show me people that are winning as much, and also I think that. Yeah, the YouTube of it to me is a heel tactic. If it's, you know, in, in gaming, it's farming, right? I'm just going to keep fighting the same boss to get the XP up, you know. But there's something kind of heelish about it. I just... Because that's what just, the horseman did, Mike. In the just, NWA, the horseman would wrestle like an 85, 86, 87. They would wrestle nobodies for 30 seconds on TV. And that it is so it is a heel tactic. AEW is using a heel tactic for baby faces. And that's why it doesn't work for you because it's not supposed to work. Well, and because this is to me, the Thunder Rosa segment was indicative of a bigger problem, which is a problem with Adam page and all of that, that, you know, in general, babyface champions are hard to book. Um, and they do not know how to book them <laughs> because to me, that Thunder Rosa, like the thing is the coronation should be as important as as the win that that first time you see them come out having won with the belt around their waist or however they hold it should mean as much as when they beat the person for the title that's a huge defining moment right how do they look as champion now that they're champion yeah anyone's gonna get a pop for winning this did thunder rosa no favors the the, the the immigrant stuff, you know, look, Dan Lambert had recently done that with <laughs> Paige. The the authenticity of of, of uh, geography is just not a good reason for a feud. I mean, it's kind of working with Owens in, in Austin just because it's, you know, it's I mean, all this they past have. Week, it was an awesome like, promo. Yeah, it was fun. I love that he didn't even try the X, <laughs> which, which should have been us during the McIntyre roast, but, you know. We go for it. I just, I, I feel with, with Rosa, man, it was like, you know, Lance Archer and Nyla Rose, like, have the same function. It almost feels like, like, there's certain, like, video games, 
where when you play like like in an arcade game if you just leave the machine on and you don't touch the buttons for like 30 seconds like you know random enemies will come out and kill you like that's literally what their function is like anytime someone wins a title they come out and they make it feel less special like that's what archer did for page and that's what um you know big show did for drew yeah and that's what nine you know kane and daniel bryan in 2014 it's just like you know, you had the amazing moment of Brian winning, and now it's like, yeah, we don't know what the fuck to do. Kevin <laughs> Nash and CM Punk. Yeah, man. It's, it, it, I mean, it's tough, but it's like you really have to have a plan. Actually, and Nash Rhodes, and Punk never fought. That was so crazy. It was so weird. Yeah. But it was a feud. Ugh. It was a feud. Insane. But it, but he did call him like a Waffle House waiter or some shit. <laughs> yeah. But, but, then, but then it's like, yeah. And then the main event, it's just, yeah, it didn't feel special. Those guys did not feel like number one contenders. You know, the fact that you can't you can't explain to me, Scott, with the rankings, how CM Punk is not in the top five. He's not had enough wins and losses. I'm, I, you'd have to look at the rankings. I'm just telling you, it's like, if you look at it, it does. Dude, do you know how many people would be shitting on it? No one shits on the rankings because uh, other than, oh, they should air them. But it's like, they're legit. If you look at the numbers, it's, pro- it's proper rankings. If I if I am able to disprove it, if I'm if I'm able to show that sure, CM Punk has won more than any of the guys sure. in the top five, you will you'll accept that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, absolutely. All right, I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll plan that for next week because I'm pretty sure he's won enough this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll check right now. Yeah. I mean, well, again, you have to remember the year starts fresh, you know. So he has yes, one loss does. this year, which I'm. But sure he's I'm, wrestled a good amount this year. Yeah, it's also. Yeah, yeah. The, I just feel like if he's challenging for the title, like one, he should be in that top five anyway. It's just like, cause it just went like, like with the Adam Cole and Jay lethal thing. Yeah. I get the YouTube of it, but it's like this, these two are contenders and same with red velvet and Layla Hirsch, but it's like, you don't build them up enough. So then the match doesn't feel special. They built Cole up enough, but it's like lethal just comes and goes. It's like the, the stop start booking makes the matches meaningless to me like i just don't care like i think the biggest problem that dynamite had this week was anyone on this show could have guessed who was going to win every match then you go to rampage spoilers (laughs) and you have two really weird upset wins in a way swerve loses for his first time to ricky starks and which spoiler was, alert well wait 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 but I they cheat though alert, they cheat man. though they cheat oh, you and did? it sets okay. up a really good tag but either way he loses he loses oh, like on his third match in he loses and didn't beat slants archer i would have never That's guessed that you need that more on dynamite if you're gonna do that shit the all these matches were predictable sure but well well the dustin one's not you think dustin beating him was predictable no. Oh, you're I, saying those weren't. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And I think the Dustin beating him, even though we look at it and we go, that doesn't make sense because, like, you don't want it to. Lance Archer should not be losing to Dustin, in my opinion. But you go, oh, look how look where Lance is ranked, and we need to knock him down a peg because we can't have him challenging, and boom, Dustin does it. You know, like, they do that, too. You can you can notice that sometimes where it's like, oh, they got to get they got to get this guy out of the ranking, and then all of a sudden he's – uh He's on a major show and he loses, you know, it's, it's annoying, but it, it's, it works. 
And then they, then they come back and we're supposed to think they're special again. <laughs> well, I, I think the ranking system is kind of like a necessary evil. Like I'm watching this retro SmackDown now and it's like every week, like it, it's just them like really trying not to make Rock and Triple H the main event every week because at that time, those are like the only two guys that matter. So anyway, that was our Dynamite or Dud. Um, next week, we're going to be doing WrestleMania predictions, folks, our big WrestleMania episode. Um, but first, let's get to the Twitter questions and high spot, low spot. Uh, Twitter questions, Mike. All right. Twitter questions this week. I asked the Twitterverse to uh, just give me a sec here. This is loading. I asked them to give us the name of Matt. There we go. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Given some sign, the, the, the real main event just showed up. Ah, ah, it. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm muting. I'm muting. I'm muting. Sorry. With the dog pound. He called me yesterday, and it happened in a phone conversation. He started snapping because the dogs were barking. Yeah, it's funny they never bark as loud as his response to them. Oh no no no. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I asked, <laughs> I asked people to uh, give us the, the names of uh, Matt and Jeff's new finisher. So here we go. Somebody said the swan song bomb. <laughs> I actually like that a lot. I think JR yeah. might use that at one point. Yeah. At Andy's Jack said... Uh, the Road to Victory 2011. At Dan Bean Sports said the wellness policy <laughs> violation. <laughs> At Steve Passett, the toupee suicide. <laughs> At Chom 1AK, twist of childproof pill top. <laughs> At SmartNado once said the Soma Coma. <laughs> At Don Hashi, the deletion of everybody's heat. <laughs> at belly flope uh the jinko buster <laughs> at uh huskers 88 the breathalyzer oh sorry i thought this was a question about the usos <laughs> at uh big red 10125 the go-to rehab <laughs> and finally at mark number seven the poetry in slow motion. <laughs> Greatest wrestling fans in the world. Mike, what are your high spot, low spots of the week? Okay, my high spot is uh, Judge Steve Harvey had Kevin Sullivan and J.J. Uh, Dillon on, who Steve Harvey clearly had no idea who they were. And uh, it was so funny because like Kevin Sullivan's like, yeah, I wrestled with Hogan for four years. And and Harvey goes, yeah, everyone's got to start somewhere. I'm like, no, that was like after <laughs> the prime of Hogan. Um, but no, man, it was it was fun. And, and look, if we're going to see uh, Kevin Sullivan in court, I'm glad it's for this and not something involving his wife. This was this was so sweet though because did you guys did anybody else watch this? Not yet. Okay, so this is what I'll I'll just give a quick recap. So basically, 
Kevin Sullivan asked JJ Dillon to uh, give him five thousand dollars for a boat, <laughs> and he says that I'll pay you whenever. And so JJ Dillon's like, "What? When are you going to pay me?" And and Kevin just keeps going whenever. So JJ takes him to court to to get the money back. And there's a moment where Kevin Sullivan takes the dictionary out and reads the definition of the word, whatever. (laughs) And then it, but then it ends with Steve Harvey talking about their friendship that uh, you guys have been friends for over 40 years. And, you know, you, you've entertained all of us so much with your wrestling and he decides to give uh, JJ Dillon the money but Kevin doesn't have to pay for it. So the court awards it. And then they hug each other. And he's like, friend, he was like, you can live without your mother or your father, but you can't live without a friend. <laughs> and then they hug. And oh no. It's really, it, it's, it is cheesy. It is sweet. And you, you uh, know, Kevin Sullivan whispered, we worked him. We worked him. Yeah. I also imagine like me and Scott, like in our seventies and I'm like, here's the one time I don't want you to interrupt me. I love you, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> and then Scott hugs me and whispers in my ear. You're wrong, dude. <laughs> and they're like, wish we could have done this before Dan died. Uh, what's your what's your low spot, Mike? Fifty which, years which, too which, late. Yeah, yeah. Wish we could have done this before Dan died has been our mantra. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I could hear Dan's ghost barking during my podcast. <laughs> uh, what's your low spot, Mike? My low spot is um fucking uh shit you get back to me i i I had one all right well i'll just do it real quick my high spot this week i i liked raw man i know people bitched about the finish of the aj seth match uh but i'm really looking forward to four or five matches at wrestlemania and coco beware is about to perform pile driver live although it may be a low spot for lawrence because it's the same event that lonnie poffo will be reading poetry um my low spot is that veer is actually coming now uh, he's going to be coming the Monday after WrestleMania. I always, I just kind of wanted this to be like waiting for Godot that we never get Veer. Uh, but now he's, you know, he's coming. So he's, well, you know what? He's been wrestling on main event for the last few months. So his win loss record is going to be huge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, what's your low spot th- uh, this week? <laughs> my, my low spot this week is that. I'm not as excited about Mania as I want to be. Um, this is one of my favorite times of the year as a wrestling fan, and the card just feels okay. Um, I want to go to a Mania. I've never been to one. Um, I don't have the desire to go see this one live, and they're coming here next year in L.A., and I really hope that they put together a good card because, you know, Mania is Mania, man. It is special. It is different. And this year, it just does not feel... Oh, wait, they booked Valentino Khan. I'm in. <laughs> Scott, high spot, low spot. 
Oh, my high spot is uh okay. There's this moment in the in the New Japan Cup, right? <laughs> I think on Monday. Did you see Zack Saber Jr. versus Will Ospreay? I, yeah. I I gotta I gotta and I gotta resubscribe. I, I I usually I I unsubscribe when G1 and Wrestle Kingdom's over, but I hear the Z, the Saber Osprey match is incredible. Yeah, it was really fun, and then Osprey taps at the end, but it. Uh, it's disputable and it's, it's, it's disputable in a way that wrestling is really bad at doing. And this is really well done. And he's been arguing it and slow motioning it. And it's like, Oh no, he didn't tap. He was flailing and you can make the case, you know, no matter how you look at it, which I think is really, really well done. And the finals are, well, I guess it's like Saturday and Sunday. I think Sunday are the finals. Uh, so yeah, my husband is uh, Osprey Moxley match. Is that April or yeah, mid April or the last weekend of April? I forget. I'm going to check that out. I need to stay that see that Osprey. What's what's it called? That classic match he had. I, I don't know the guy's name, but with the guy's girlfriend on the front row. Oh, yeah, like... I forgot his name too, but I loved mm-hmm. that match. And my low spot is um, is Annie Letterman got to meet Ric Flair. Oh, I just posted it and on our wrestling post. I said. I said, uh, wrestling's hottest new couple, <laughs> Annie Letterman and Rick Flair. Yeah, yeah, and you I... know she's going to get something from him. And um, damn it, I just wish it was me, you know? You guys, you I remember it. Rick's going to be borrowing money from Annie. I know, I love it. I remembered my low spot. You just, you just, uh, Chris Red, who's on SNL, he's a, he's, he's a buddy. He's, he's so fucking funny. Um, he posted about Jericho trying to take his Uber from him, that they were both at the airport. And the Jericho, like, just <laughs> I think one of you guys said, like, Jericho, like, clearly just doesn't know how Uber works. Yeah, and the it was driver weird. stood up to Chris Jericho and was like, No, I'm taking the guy that hired this Uber. And uh, <laughs> but just you know, the more you hear about Jericho, the less of an appreciation. Yeah, society. getting in an Uber, just go, even though it's. I not mean, it's Uber. kind like, of a who high cares. Spot. That's what he said, right? Who cares or something? <laughs> just go. It's yeah. kind of a high spot too, you know. It is. There is something fun about that, and a drunk spot. <laughs> I'm picturing Ric Flair pawning uh, Annie's pig necklace. <laughs> um, and Scott, did you say your low spot? Yeah, that Annie got to meet him and not me. Oh, it's yes, a great yes, photo. Right. He's in kind he's of turned in into excellent three piece suit. It's at the he also got store. to ask God bless her, Ric Flair, man. He also got to ask her, "What airline do you work for?" Oh, <laughs> uh, this is gonna be. It's gonna. Those jokes are gonna be real awkward when he dies in two weeks. Robert, <laughs> high spot, low spot. Uh, my high spot was the, uh, the the only thing I saw was the the opening of Raw with Kevin Owens coming out dressed like Steve Austin. Everything about that was perfect. The uh, hitting the music and watching morons get super excited. They thought they were going to see Steve Austin. Uh, And then Kevin Owens promo. And then in the middle of the promo, them hitting the music again to make it seem like Steve was going to show up to beat him up. Um, It was, it was fun. Clearly all those AEW shows have made Chicago fans dumb. Uh, And uh, it was great. My low spot was because I was away. I didn't get to watch the rest of raw. I'm going to, I'm going to watch it later, but I, for as much as I shit on it, I genuinely enjoy getting to sit and watch the show. I like the interaction during Twitter, I like getting to record something to sports entertainment with. And as I posted on the group, like even bad wrestling is still better than most of what the else there is out there. It's still a lot of fun to sit and watch. And when you don't have it, you're kind of like, 
I, I kind of wonder what happened on the on the road to WrestleMania this week. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to to watching Raw and more importantly, getting to fast forward through uh, commercial breaks and most of the matches. Hell yeah. And what's your low spot? Did you say your low spot? My low spot was, yeah, not getting to watch uh, Raw. Raw Monday. Uh, I'm, I'm texting with Annie about the picture. Um, and uh, yeah, man, that's our show. Fun, fun episode. Um we got a lot of fun shit, like I said, coming up. If you're a member of the five dollar tier, we're gonna be um, we're gonna be reviewing World's Weirdest Fighting. I'll be tweet the links will be on our on our Twitter. How do you do? Can you do the links all in one tweet, or you got to do it like per? I don't yeah, know. it would just have to be like a thread. I think it, it's got to be a thread. All right, I'll, I'll do a thread. I'll just keep replying with the links. Uh, and uh, next week we're gonna have for our Patreon the WrestleMania three watch along. Next week is going to be a big week, man. It's going to be uh, our WrestleMania prediction shows and even bigger, our live show, folks. Uh, it's going to, I told you some of the breakdown. It's going to be an absolute blast. If you haven't, I think almost everybody has sent their email addresses to Scott. I know Joe Doblack hasn't yet. So please, uh, if you bought a ticket, send the email address to, uh, to Zach because that's the only way you're going to get uh, a Zoom invite to the show. And um, yeah, man, it's uh, we got a lot of fun stuff coming up. We're going to do Roast to Roman the week after. We're going to be doing the Roast to Brock on Patreon. It's uh, it's good shit, man. Um, that's about it for me. Anybody else? Zach? <laughs> You're ending it like like we're all out of the room. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's like me at the end of a sitcom where I just shut yeah. the lights off. <laughs> I love you, Drew. Wash your hands. I love you, Drew.